Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. No matter how bleak the situation is, it just takes a kind word from a neighbour passing by or something that just, bang, pushes you back into your, let's get things done, let's get it sorted, let's get on with life. Mm -hmm. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Ram Gokul. Ram's the Chief Exec and Co-Founder at Innovative Vehicle Engineering an organisation set up to design, develop and deliver a zero operational emissions light goods vehicle with the same payload and range as a diesel vehicle. An engineer by trade, Rams developed a career within the automotive sector, working with some of the most well-known names in the industry before launching Innovated over three years ago. They now have operational vehicles and are also helping other manufacturers understand how their fleet can be fuelled for the future with hydrogen. Ram joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Ram. It's great to have you with us. It's great to be here, Amy. I'm looking I forward to speaking to you. Talk to. <laughs> I'm sure you will be. I'm sure you will be. So, first question then, let's get started. Can you tell us a little bit about Innovative Vehicle Engineering, or IVE as it's known in, in the inner circle? Can you tell us a bit about the organisation and what you're working towards, please? Yeah, so Innovative Vehicle Engineering was started in in the week before lockdown. So great time to start a company of uh, 2020. We set out with this vision to decarbonize the delivery industry. Mm -hmm. Looking around, we saw there was a need need to address the lack of range and payload ability with current zero emission solutions. And being an engineer, being from Yorkshire, obviously I think I can do it better than anybody else. So we had a go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and why not <laughs> and oh dear, we've succeeded <laughs> so what we're working towards at the moment is we're in our uh, seed funding round so we're looking mm-hmm. for funding to build our uh, customer demonstrator vehicles we achieved a level of financing last year that allowed us to build a custom a um, concept demonstrator okay. which shows our technology which gives us a proof of concept which has allowed us to validate what we can and what we can't do as well which is more important yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some very good conversations with some of the major supermarkets and delivery organizations mm-hmm. of which three have offered us letters of support that they will take vehicles next year for trial or this year now for trial. Yep. So if you're asking me what we're working towards, we're working towards a credible alternative to diesel. Amazing. Amazing. And so <laughs> as a, as a leader of that kind of organization, so you started in lockdown, you pre-seed, you're up yep. against it in terms of, time-wise what yeah. what what are the key challenges that you're up against at the moment as a leader of that kind of organization well aging is the key challenge okay I think aged 20 <laughs> years in the last three <laughs> it's saying it's saying yeah that'll do it that'll do it i think we've all been through that trajectory a little bit haven't we <laughs> i think the key challenge well and i was talking about this this morning with with one of our uh, providers and the key challenge for us was starting a new organization because we all came from diverse um, organizations and diverse uh, even geographies. Starting a new organization without having that initial uh, sit down and talk through of what our values were and how they aligned with the company's values. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the company has a vision 
to be different to a lot of the blue chip companies that we've all worked in before. So we're, we're very much about putting back into the community. We're very much about supporting STEM programs. I support a couple of six forms and, and STEM programs. We do a lot of men's mental health work. Um, we want to build the organization in a community that can profit from us being there by not just by jobs, but by our engagement in societal activities. Yeah. So trying to get everybody aligned with that vision without, you know, without the touchy-feely stuff, it yeah, was, yeah. was really, really, I wouldn't say painful, but was a really difficult um, thing to do. Because as a CEO, you, you have a drive and a passion to do something. And you need to figure out whether people are saying yes, because you're the CEO, or yes, because they need the job, or yes, because they actually believe in what you're doing. Okay. And to yeah. do that in person is pretty easy. I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fairly um, ad I'm fairly adept at that type of uh, empathy and empathetical skills. But doing that over teams, it's yes. really difficult to get a sense of what it is really about. Yeah. I guess it's not only doing it over teams, is it, as well? Because everybody else had got all of that stuff going on at the start when you started it wasn't just that you had to communicate via teams it was that homeschool and all yeah. of all you know the pandemic and worried about loved ones and all of that so the fact that i'm not surprised you're suggesting that you've aged, aged 20 years in the last three years but clearly whatever you've done is working because you I, you're building I it I, th I think it works because we've brought people along on a journey Mm -hmm. we've mm -hmm. not dictated how we expect people to work. We've not dictated when we expect people to work. What yeah, we've yeah. set are clear objectives and the rationale behind why those objectives are important. Yeah. And people yeah. get behind a vision like that. You know, yeah. it, it's great. I've, I've worked in um, a lot of tier one OEMs and um, a, a lot of OEM the car manufacturers and, it, and it's really easy to get sucked into we're the best we're doing this blah blah without telling people why or mm -hmm. what mission is or, or why what you're doing is important not just to your group but to the company in a, in a wider sense yeah yeah absolutely it's that old adage isn't it if you give people the the why and the what the, the right people figure out the how yeah no absolutely absolutely we, and we've had some stunning results we, we have a guy um, part of our men's mental health program, uh, we have a guy who had retired, um, had spent three or four years at home, was getting under his uh, his wife's feet. We talked about what we were doing. He said, oh, that sounds really interesting. He's come on board, and he's an ex-service um, technician or a, a service group leader for a major tractor manufacturer, mm -hmm. and he's been absolutely the best person in the workshop. He comes in, he's, he's, he's had colds, he's had flu, and he, he nags me the days that he doesn't come in. Can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Because you see there's a level of not just individual, company-wide engagement yeah. and responsibility in the mission, in the, in the end goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what brings you through, isn't it? That's what gets you through the tough days where you've got to get it, it, it gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really yeah. easy. And and I was in there. I mean, I've been in the car industry for nearly thirty years, and it 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 was becoming pretty difficult to get out of bed in the morning. 
Okay. You, you're just you you realize in some organizations that it, it's just they they need that number of people because the, mm -hmm. the, the algorithm says we need that number of people to do that job. Yeah. You know, I've yeah. worked in other organizations where it's been we need this job done. You go away and figure out how to do it, and mm -hmm. that motivated me. Okay. And what we tried to do with with IVE is build that level of culture and se sense of personal responsibility as part of that culture. Yeah. Well, well I guess it's, it's had to be built in as well, hasn't it? Because of when you started and the, the you know the situation that we were in, you had to build it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think you're absolutely right. The 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 whole COVID thing has it's it's influenced us positively as well as impacted us negatively. It's influenced mm -hmm. positively in that we've had that that um, that ability to give people their own um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? They give people their own drive, their own uh, develop their own muscle memories, develop their own yeah. ways of working to figure out how they fit into the organisation. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm the first to admit it hasn't suited some people. But I would say ninety percent of the people we started out with are still with us, and yeah, more yeah. come on board. Yeah, and that's okay that it's not for everybody because that's you know as long as you find that out quickly, or you both both parties find that out quickly, that's that's okay. But I think, do you think it helps in driving the culture that your vision is is so? I'm going to use the word noble. I'm not sure if that's entirely right, but people uh, people can attach their their ethical values to yeah. driving green yeah. air and. I guess there's something about being the zeitgeist of the moment, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it it's, yes, it's a noble vision, but and I, and I do believe people can get behind it, and people get behind it for different reasons, don't they? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got we've got a, a, um, a, a I won't say aged, we've got a, a, a non-young part of the organisation that mm -hmm. gets behind it because they see it as some sort of uh, recompense for everything they've done in the past. We've got the young part of the, the organisation that see it as, yes, we need to make things better. We need to do this for uh, the sake of uh, the planet, for the sake of our, our, our families, for the sake of um, the wider society. And mm -hmm. I think the, the, the ability to elaborate what we're doing and it resonates with people at different points in their career and different points in their life has made it easier for people to get behind. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if, I, I might be speaking ill of the automotive industry and I don't want to alienate myself entirely, but I wonder if that vision, because you are innovating and you're building something that's greener and cleaner and you know, it's, it's future-focused, isn't it? I wonder if there's an element in the automotive industry that you are just putting tyres on the on the road? I, I, th I think, uh, right, I won't say when I started in the automotive industry, but when I when I were a lad, as we'd say in Yorkshire, <laughs> when I were a lad, there used to be something called a chief engineer. Okay. And a vehicle program lived or died by the chief engineer's decisions. Mm -hmm. And he was the man in charge, or the lady in charge, or the whoever in charge. Mm -hmm. And from when I started to today, that level of personal responsibility has been watered down. Okay. because of control, because of the the need for people to feel they're in charge of something. Okay. So a, a great example is many years ago, vehicle program, chief engineer said, this is what I want to achieve. 
And his engineering teams went off and came back to him with proposals or her with proposals of how that would to be, was to be achieved. Mm-hmm. They agreed it as a team and they developed that. Now, because the, 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 there is a need, in my opinion, again, my opinion, uh, in the automotive industry, as it's grown, as it's gotten more, um, uh, let's say, more financially controlled rather than technically controlled, there is a need for every engineering decision to be justified in terms of finance. Okay. I I don't know whether that is a valid strategy or not. So I'm not making that uh, distinction here. What I am saying is that is if you have to justify everything you do every day of your life, it mm-hmm. takes the innovation out of what you do because yeah. you'll yeah. go along with the norm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the most success I've had, I, I, I've, I've, I've worked in Fiat Group, I've worked in Iveco, I've worked in GKN. The most success I've had in, and the projects I've gotten involved with are those orphan projects that nobody wants to deal with. And the reason I've got involved with those is because there's no real oversight. Because then this is a piece of advice that Fred Bolton, one of my first bosses in GKN, gave me. He said, find the biggest, deepest pile of <clears throat> that you can and jump into it with both feet. Because all you can do is improve the situation. Yeah. You yeah. can't make it any worse. Yeah. And I think I think that that's whether I've jumped into the biggest pile of um or not, <laughs> my, my whole working life has, has been that endeavor to make the situation better. Be yes. that from a technical point of view that or or a management point of view, or even from a product perspective. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that level of autonomy in decision making is is missing in automotive today and <laughs> we end up with a lot of cookie-cutter designs or benchmarking with other vehicles instead of thinking like like Renault and Citroen and Peugeot and Fiat used to do in the 70s and 80s, thinking, this is a great product, let's get it out there, mm-hmm. without worrying about what everybody else was doing. Okay. We seem to worry about, well, if we make this decision, um, company Y isn't doing that, so they're not doing that. So it can't be a good decision. So let's not make that decision. And oh, it's going to be financially impactful. Mm-hmm. Let's lesser financially impactful decision that brings us in line with somebody else. So we don't rock yeah. the boat and we, we guarantee ourselves to keep either our market share or to consolidate what we're doing today. Yeah. yeah. You, you see the, the, the innovation. <clears throat> where Where is the innovation in the automotive industry today? It comes mm-hmm. from like us startups like us who think we can do it better who know that we can act more nimbly act more agile we can make decisions faster and we can try things because we're not afraid of failure uh-huh. and yeah. maybe that's it maybe it's that that big thing is the fear of failure yeah and that's something again going back to the culture that's something to plug into your teams isn't it to make sure you've got the psychological safety and the ability to you know, fail fast, as they say. And then learn. I mean, mm-hmm. no, nobody, nobody ever learned anything who achieved everything they set out to do, yeah. really. Yeah. You only learn by failure. And, and unfortunately, or fortunately, we've only had a couple of failures and they were on components. Not So either we've been great and, and, and been able to predict the future or we've got some more learning to do to, to 
improve our project even even further. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that style of that yeah. approach does that come from somewhere? I mean, your your leadership career was that was it always going to be the case? Were you always sort of a frustrated leader or frustrated CEO? I guess throughout your career, or did it happen by accident? Our CEO, Donald McElwain, says, I will be happy when I'm in my little brown lab coat tinkering with stuff. <laughs> okay. And that is when I'm at my happiest. But what I have found is that I have an ability to motivate people around an objective. Okay. And I have not purposely gone and looked for that. It has come to me. Okay. So I, I started my career as a vehicle development engineer, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then I was poached by Fiat, and I loved that. And I grew up in Fiat from from um, uh, a a leader of a technical function. I ended up as the uh, director of a um, a small business unit, and and it's grown like that. And I think what IVE has allowed me to do is to be the leader of the organization, but more importantly, get back involved with the engineering stuff so people see that I am involved in that day-to-day activity, which, again, catalyzes people around an objective. And Mm -hmm. if I think back, that's a good question you asked. If I I think back, the, the key to my success is not being a, I would say, archetypal manager. It's a person who gets involved. For example, I get involved with the calculations. I sit with my engineers and we discuss what the analysis results were or what the technical direction is. And I can talk from a position of authority because I've done that work myself before. Okay. I think I think that really helps in in driving and putting a vision in front of people because they know that I'm talking from a position of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there is the element that you need to be shoulder to shoulder or show that you can be shoulder to shoulder when you need to be. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I, th- I think also that the, the, these, there's this level <laughs> of passion as well. I've, I've always been passionate about everything I do. If, if you're not, in my opinion, if you're not passionate about what you do, there's absolutely no point doing it. Go and find yeah. something else. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, passion, it can cover up for a multitude of, of, of sins and lack of knowledge. You know, passion can drive a project forward even when your team, etc., doesn't have the knowledge to carry out the activities they need to because passion will help you get out there and learn the things that you need to learn. Yeah, yeah. And it's not always going to be fun either, is it? I mean, you know, they're starting a business in lockdown. It's not always fun. You need the passion and the drive to get through the days where it's not a bed of roses. It's tough. It's a hard job. I, on... Um, 22nd of August last year is the blackest day in my whole life. Really? So I woke up on the 22nd of August, came downstairs, found that my house had been broken into, both oh. cars had been stolen, my wife and son were in London on holiday, and I was alone in the house, no phone, no nothing, and had to deal with all that on my own. We had a situation in the company that we were, we were out of cash, uh, we were waiting for some funding to come through, and it was just, it was emote. The whole of August had been really emotional, and I think that was the straw that drove me. And I was, I was, I was pretty close to just closing the doors and walking away from everything because it was that black at that point. Yeah, sorry uh, to hear that. No, I, uh, 
<laughs> and I'm sure every business leader goes through that point. And it's not that I'm not looking for sympathy in, in that yeah. I got to that point. The point is that no matter how bleak the situation is, it just takes a kind word from a neighbour passing by or something that just, bang, pushes you back into your, let's get things done, let's get it sorted, let's get on with life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's when it all comes at once, isn't it? When you, you know, yeah. you're having a tough time yeah. and the house gets broken into. But it's it's that it's the passion that you know that you started that business for a reason. Yeah, and yeah. then you were going to solve a problem, and that's I guess that's what bounces you back, isn't it? Eventually, I think I think that there's also I, I I said this for the last few years in my career in in traditional automotive, in that I grew up with dinosaur technology because we use dinosaur juice for our our, our motive power. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I'm trying to do, and maybe, uh, I wouldn't say I'm religious, but I have some religious beliefs. Maybe maybe I'm trying to atone for, for my sins <laughs> of the past by trying to make a difference in how my, in, in the world that my son inherits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think you, you get to a point, don't you, where you look back and you think, yeah, maybe, maybe what you've done for the last 30 odd years is, has not been the best for the planet and, and let's try and do something that's 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 a positive influence on the yeah. future no, no, yeah. i'm not i'm not I, I have no regrets over what i've done in the past i mean it's been i've done some great work i've worked with some great people i've met some great people i've got some great friends all around the world but i think the technology we were using um didn't have the best impact on the planet mm-hmm. yeah but but it's only when when looking back, I'm sure we're all in essence a little bit ignorant ignorant in the past because the knowledge didn't exist. But it's what you do now with that knowledge. Now you have yeah. that knowledge. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree. I'd agree. I think and knowledge, knowledge is is the key, isn't it? It's, it's mm-hmm. knowing what you've done. It's knowing how it's been done, and it's knowing that there is the ability and capability to change that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and thinking about change then, is there anything from your leadership career in the past that you're willing to share? If there was a blooper reel, for example, of your leadership career, what would be on there? Are there any mess-ups that you're happy to talk to us about and what you learned from it? That's a really good question. I, I, I think as, as a, I, I had a boss called Werner Hoffman when I was at GKN. And, and his line for me was, a good horse always knows how high to jump. <laughs> Sometimes he'll rattle his hooves on the uh, fence as he goes across. And I think I rattled my hooves on the fence as I went across a lot of the obstacles. I, I, th- I think the biggest, my, my biggest problem is that I'm a Yorkshireman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I don't suffer fools or I don't suffer uh, stupidity very easily. Okay. And whilst I wouldn't like to point to any particular instances, there have been instances in my past where I should have taken something as a learning experience rather than make my my opinions clear. I think we've maybe all been there as well. <laughs> there, there is a, there's, I don't know whether I can talk about this. There, there is an, in, I'll try and um, 
neutralize it as much as I can. There was an instance where we were asked to demonstrate some vehicles for a major vehicle manufacturer. (laughs) And I had put in the purchase order. I was was a development engineer or chief engineer at the time. Uh, I put in the purchase order for these two vehicles from Japan. And the purchase order went to purchasing, was approved, went to finance, and um, I just expected the vehicles to uh, arrive. A week before this major OEM is due to turn up, uh, two weeks before the major OEM is due to turn up on site, I go up to finance to find out where this uh, vehicle order is. And the um, the finance director had refused to uh, process it because I hadn't gone to him personally to ask for, I'd followed the company procedure. I hadn't gone to him personally to ask for uh, approval. And so he took it as a personal insult. Mm. So me being a Yorkshireman, had a few words <laughs> with him. And he said, well, I'm not signing it then. So, again, not wishing to let somebody down, mm-hmm. I rang a friend of mine who ran, who worked at a motorsport company, uh, who did a lot of work with Japan. These two vehicles were coming from Japan. I said, can you help me out with this? He said, absolutely, Ram, not a problem. We can get these vehicles here in a week. I said, what will it cost? And he gave me a number. I said, okay. He said, how are you going to pay for that? And I had a company Amex card at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I put the purchase of these two vehicles and the air freight of these two vehicles on my company Amex card. I wouldn't condone anybody to do this, by the way. I would say no. <laughs> what, and, was the, what was the lesson you learned from that? <laughs> um, well, the, the, the vehicles arrived in the morning and the OEM customer came in the afternoon. We got the vehicles off the transport. We prepped them, PDI'd them, got trade plates on them. The OEM went out, tested them, came back, success. We landed uh, an eight-year supply contract with that, C, with that OEM on the basis of that activity. So I was hauled up in front of the CEO of the company I was working for with the finance director and my boss, because I was I was based in Germany at the time, mm. my boss, Werner Hoffman. And my boss, Werner Hoffman, took all the heat. He yeah. said, I approved it. He did the right thing mm. with the contract. You've got nothing. It's your fault for delaying the order on these cars. And he tore a strip off me when we went back to the, his office. Mm-hmm. Is absolutely right thing. So you did the right thing, but, but next time you do something like this, tell me before you do it so that at least send yeah. you. Yeah, he sounds like a diamond. He does sound he, like an absolute uh, diamond. Paul Werner, he passed away um, five or ten years ago. He there's been two, three guiding lights in my life. I think at GKN we had a CEO called um, Ian Ledbetter, mm-hmm. and he he would fly onto site land on site in the company helicopter, but he would walk the corridors, he would shake everybody's hand, and he knew everybody's name. And he Thank knew you. what everybody was about, and he knew people's family status, etc. And that that held me in awe. Yeah. And then there was my direct supervisor, which was a guy called Fred Bolton. He was ex-chief uh, engineer for Land Rover. Mm-hmm. And he was a Lancashireman. And in those days, um, the uh, the banter was quite bitter and, and, and harsh. And, and he was a great bloke. And he he was so easygoing, but 
he'd done everything in the automotive industry and he was a great learning tool for me. And then Fred, uh, Fred passed me over to a guy called Werner Hoffman, who I said passed mm-hmm. away. And with Werner, we set up a company called DriveTech, which was a joint venture between GKN and Dana. And I was chief engineer for all wheel drive systems and moved to the U S worked in Germany. He gave me the opportunity to do what was necessary and what was needed to progress the company. And I think that those three guys really laid the foundations for my management style and my leadership style. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and, and I would really say that without them and the people I work with at GKN, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm -hmm. It is the people that shape you. It's the things that you learn from the people that you you listen to or you choose not to listen to in some situations well, absolutely and and, and the, 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 going into GKN brand new graduate 1992 August walked in the door dumped in vehicle engineering I was the only graduate on the scheme that year I went down to the workshop floor met two guys Alan and Dave and they put their arms around me technicians put their arms around me said right lad you don't know everything Let's get that clear. You're here to learn. <laughs> and learn you did. <laughs> and then they, they introduced me to my favourite beer. We used to go out as a group. We did activities as a group. And that sort of um, community spirit is exactly what we're trying to achieve with IVE. Because I think mm. that's really important to feel part of something when you go to work. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think even more so now when you've we've had those periods of time where everybody is, you know, entirely remote and they can't get to get you can't put your arm around somebody and take them out for yeah. a beer because everything was closed, wasn't it, for a, yeah. a period of time? Yeah. And 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 so I always ask about people that have influenced leaders because I think it's it's important to understand where your styles come from and how you've almost evolved their style into your own. But are yeah. there are there books or podcasts that you particularly enjoy or that have taught you in the past in terms of leadership that you'd share with us um i I don't know about podcasts i did i do read a lot of a lot i do read some uh, books there's a guy who was our ceo at drive tech called javier tamayo who used to send out a book every month to us you know who moved my cheese all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff but if, if you ask me of the key book that, that I think influences me both technically and management-wise, it's the one by Bob Lutz called Guts. Okay. I, and I, I read that every few, I would say every few years, just to refresh my understanding of Bob Lutz. And I met Bob Lutz a couple of times when I worked at GM, and he is exactly that. And, and, and I, if, if I'm trying to emulate anybody, it's, it's him. Not not the negative stuff that he's been involved with recently, but some of his management style, how he drives technology, how he he aggregates everybody to the same level. Okay. You know, nobody's below him, nobody's above him. He talks to everybody mm-hmm. as they are the most important person in the room. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that and and the ability to make quick, rational engineering decisions when needed is 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 the two qualities that I've I've really liked from from what I've read about Bob Lutz and from mm-hmm. and seen in, in real life. Thank you for that. Thank you. I, I always like to ask. I'm like, if you see the bookcase behind me, I'm always reading. But Bill Hicks, love all of the people. I don't know if you read that. No, yeah, no. It's a uh, he's a comedian. 
Mm-hmm. It's a really funny book, but um, a really good insight into human psychology and why people find things funny and engaging. Uh, that will be on my list. Thank you for that one. Thank you for that one. And so what's on what's on your table? What's on your desk for the next six, nine, twelve months that's exciting that you can share with us about the organization? So we are part of an Innovate UK funding bid, which should hopefully see us approved to build four vehicles for fleet trials this year. We're in our seed funding round out there mm-hmm. looking for a bit of funding. So if you know anybody who's got some money to throw about, we're, <laughs> we're we open. Can, we can spread the word. <laughs> <laughs> and then just building the organisation now. So, so we're looking at setting up our headquarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had some really good discussions with Doncaster Council because uh, being a Yorkshireman, I want to be based in the north of uh, England. Absolutely. So we're looking at Doncaster. We're looking at side. we had a good meeting with uh, Leicester City Council this morning. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at where to set up, how to set the organisation up, what the organisation looks like, looks like mm-hmm. in the short to medium term to satisfy the, the customer demands that we've got at the moment. So some really exciting stuff going on. Yeah. And then also finding people. Okay. That, that is... We had a... Um, so I, I'm, I'm very passionate about bringing the right people in, and, and mm-hmm. I, I like bringing engineers in across all roles. One of, one of the great teachings I had from Fiat was that somebody should be able to, a, a person you bring into the organization shouldn't just be stuck to one role. They should experience the whole gamut of the organization yeah. and then decide where they fit. And I like the way engineers and technical people think. So I, I tried to bring mostly technical people in even if it's in non-technical roles because it, it suits some of those people we had a, a, a walk around doncaster uh, utc university technical college mm-hmm. with a lady called lindsay glasby absolutely amazing place taking kids from 13 years old upwards yeah. um technical training but all the all the a uh a levels you don't call them a levels anymore do we gcse <laughs> and um uh, o level and a level but with a focus on on engineering creative arts etc mm-hmm. absolutely amazing place which gives us a, a a funnel of people to bring in but yep. what i need to find now is some people that we can bring into the organization who will find the challenge rewarding but also yep. be able to drive us forward because <clears throat> donald and i have now been running this thing for three years mm-hmm. And I think that's that's long enough. We need some new blood now in to help us change, adapt, morph the organisation into this larger company that is able to fulfil the demands and requirements of our customers. Yes. Yeah. My position now as CEO is to bring in people to do those jobs, to be able to help us transform the organisation and then also allow me the time to do the things I enjoy, which is the yeah. engineering and the tinkering and the, the feckling yeah. and talking Absolutely. to customers and, and going out on field trials and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And getting that passion across to bring those other people. Yeah. yeah. The people yeah. can grab hold of it now and run with it, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We, we need those people to to do the, I wouldn't say the mundane, but those people that are excited about that that, that more systematic formulaic thing of, of getting a company into production yeah 
Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I wish you the best of luck with it. And I've really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you for making the time. And yeah, it's been good to speak with you. It's been good to speak to you. Thank you for the opportunity. Cheers, Amy. (laughs) 